This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Amy Newmark. Please enjoy this rerun of one of my favorite episodes from last year. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey everyone, it's Amy Newmark with your Chicken Soup for the Soul. And today we have a special guest for Friend Friday, Laura Robinson, who is a longtime friend to me and Chicken Soup for the Soul. Laura, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Well, it's great to have you on. You are such a whirlwind. I think that people will be blown away by all of the things that you do. So for everybody who's listening, Laura is what you would call a multi-passionate creative. She is an inventor. She's a producer, a musician, a speaker, an actress, an author, and an energy worker. She wears so many hats and she seems to love them all and do them all great. And one of the things that she is best known for is that she co-invented the hilarious best-selling board game that you have definitely heard of, Balderdash, when she was only in her mid-20s. She's also an Emmy-nominated executive producer, a creator of Celebrity Name Game, which is the syndicated television game show starring Craig Ferguson. She's also a motivational speaker and author. She's performed at various North American events. She co-authored Chicken Soup for the Soul, Count Your Blessings, and being Canadian, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Hooked on Hockey. And she has also contributed stories to other Chicken Soup for the Soul books. And she's also been a successful actress in Canada and the U.S. And you might have seen her on the CBS detective drama Night Heat and also on sitcoms like Frasier and Cheers. And she also has a new album coming out of original songs. And a little later, we're going to actually listen to one of them that's getting a lot of radio play. So anyway, oh my gosh, I'm tired now just talking about <laughs> everything that Laura does. So here's something that fascinates me. Let's go back decades and let's talk about how did you invent Balderdash? I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I think it's probably my greatest contribution because my husband sometimes says to me, you know, you've made millions of people laugh. Is that not enough? <laughs> of course, it's not because I love to create and I love to just do the things I love. But I guess Balderdash, I always loved games and I kind of credit my family. My mother was a triplet. And so we always hosted Christmas at our house and we would always have like a talent show and a big meal and play this another game that we called Guggenheim, which is kind of like a precursor or parlor version of Scattergories. But I learned another game that was called the Dictionary Game, which was really what Balderdash was based on as well. And 
when I was in my early 20s, I was acting in Toronto and I had a, I met this guy that worked on one of the movies that I did and he had invested in Trivial Pursuit. So Trivial Pursuit came out of the same sort of group that I was in, that the Haney brothers who created Trivial Pursuit were all in this actor's group. And he had been a stagehand at one of the big theaters up here and, and had been asked to invest. Actually, his mother was asked to invest. She declined and he borrowed the money from his mom and then invested and then made so much money on that game. So I was just really struck by that. And my boyfriend and I at the time were like, we should do a game. So it was kind of in that heyday of Pictionary and, and Trivial Pursuit. And we just were very fortunate. It happened very, very quickly. We made a prototype and then got a distributor. And it was from kind of inception of the idea to product on the shelves was less than a year. So it's just one of those games that it's fun to play. And it kind of took off. And we did some great marketing, too. And it's all about the meaning of words, right? It's it's you yes. try to bluff your way through knowing the definition yep. of some word that you don't really know the definition of. Exactly. That was the original version. And that was out for many, many years. And then we did do some spinoffs that have other things like strange people or strange laws that are still in the books and acronyms like the AAAA is the American Association of Aardvark Aficionados. Strange things like that, but you would just get oh the acronym gosh. and then everyone has to write their own version of that. So Mattel now has a version of the game that I did a lot of the research for too called Beyond Balderdash and there's five categories in that one. But the original one with the words is still nearest and dearest to my heart and there's so many great words and we just played it at Christmas. I don't get to play it that often because nobody wants to play with me anymore, but... <laughs> I used to know all the definitions, but as I've gotten older, I've forgotten a lot. So now I can actually play. But when I hear them read aloud with other definitions, I sort of know because we literally hand paraphrased every definition so we wouldn't ever take anything verbatim out of dictionaries. And we did all the research for the first game without a computer too. I mean, from several of the games. So it was back in the day. And when I look back and I just go, oh my God, it boggles the mind. So paper and pen and researching in libraries till midnight and just putting it all together. But that's what people did then. <laughs> that is so great. And then you did another really successful game more recently called Identity Crisis. Yeah. And so the games that I particularly love are party games, like adult party games. I'm not, I've never really been good at or really loved strategy games like like Settlers of Catan and those kind of games, although I know they're super popular and some of my, like my son loves those games. But for me, the most fun games are things you can play in a group. And I really like games that make you laugh and are not intimidating so much. So that's why Balderdash, it's not what you know, it's just how well you can bluff. But knowing the word origins does help you. And Identity Crisis was based on a, on a game someone taught me called Celebrity, which you may be familiar with, where people have different names for it. They call it the hat game. Like you could just, if we were playing, we would all just write a bunch of famous people down on pieces of paper and throw them in a bowl. And then you pull out the one at a time. It's sort of like charades that you have two teams trying to guess as many. I'm trying to give clues to get my team to guess as many names as I can in 60 seconds. And then it kind of goes back and forth. So we took that and turned that into a game show. And it ended up being not just names too. We, we also did different words and different products and stuff, but primarily names. And so it was called Celebrity Name Game. We partnered with Courtney Cox and David Arquette and produced a show that lasted for three seasons in syndication. And Craig Ferguson was our host and he was just hilarious. So funny and so smart and really knew how to to bring the best out of the contestants and everything. So I, I got into the whole game show world too. So kind of in the same lane, but on a different venue, a different media. 
That is amazing. And of course, you're familiar with Hollywood anyway, and you've lived in LA yes. for a while because of mm -hmm. your acting career. So it wasn't as big a stretch for you to go from games to TV as it might have been for somebody else. Exactly. No, I, I was really familiar with that. And we even did a version of Balderdash back in the day. That was my very first one. We did a pilot and then we ended up doing one season. And we went back out with it a couple of years ago with Howie Mandel. We weren't able to get that off the ground, but I'm still thinking of different ways to bring Balderdash back to TV too, because we just need programming now that is a bit of escape for people with all the craziness in our world right now, that just being able to watch something on TV and laugh and be engaged, I think is so important and, and the power of play and just how it really lightens a person's day to have their brain engaged, even watching Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. We're just big, we're just big game lovers in my house and my kids love it too. And We've been following a girl on Jeopardy right now, Amy Schneider. She's got your name. I don't know if you watch Jeopardy, but she's got, I think, 30 episodes. So that's really been fun, too. So, yeah, we love games here. That's cool. I did read about her. And you know what's funny is my husband and I were just talking about this yesterday. We've gotten into playing games every day because we're stuck in the house. We're uh -huh. always quarantining so that we can see our children and grandchildren. So all we do is quarantine, then see a family, then quarantine, see another family. And we've been doing the New York Times spelling bee every morning. And then every night after dinner, we play three games of billiards. And so we've been How so fun. into games. So I think you're totally right. This is something that we all really need right now. It's true. Yeah, we've been playing more games too. And I, I must have 100 games in my basement. <laughs> we love to play games and the kids are really into it. And when they go to cottages and stuff, they always play. And it's so fun to see. The original kind of nickname for board games back in the day was tortured cardboard. Like when Monopoly, do you remember they were all just low and kind of flat, like the old standard before Trivia Pursuit came out and made the bigger box. The edges would always break on like the game of life or, you know, Candyland or whatever. And whenever we would go to cottages, I would often see like a beat up old balderdash in the corner that's been so well loved and so well played. And it always makes me feel so good that it's not like in this pristine condition and nobody's played it, you know? I totally get that because I go to hotels and they have like the little lending library and I always see a beat up copy of Chicken Soup for the Soul in there. Isn't that great? It really warms your heart. Like I just never get tired of people telling me you know, how much they love playing the game. Or I hear a lot, uh, Canadians seem to really love Chicken Soup for the Soul too. Like it's always such a big note when I'm being introduced or something that I've done Chicken Soup for the Soul. You can hear people, Canadians in particular, just love your books and they are so great and so accessible for people and easy to read, but heartwarming and touching and just what you need anytime. <laughs> I totally agree. So now I want to talk about your music career also, because mm -hmm. I know you're your new song, What Else But Love, is getting a lot of radio play, and we actually want to play it for everybody. Oh, uh, but what is going thanks. on with your new album? Yeah, I've done a few songs, but I'm going back in the studio. It's been difficult with COVID to feel safe in the studio. And like with, I had a producer that lived in Los Angeles, and he wasn't able to get up here. So I'm uh, sending files and everything, but I much prefer to do it all in person. So we're kind of waiting we're really locked down in Toronto right now, but as soon as the lockdown is lifted, I have a studio I want to go into and I've got 10 songs. I mean, it's kind of an old fashioned thing to do a whole project, but I want to get all these songs recorded and I probably will just release them one at a time the way most people do with modern music because no one's really buying CDs anymore, but I still want to have that as a just a legacy for me. And it's very, I'm very late to the party, but I've always played music. My father was a 
was a jazz musician, a, a saxophonist, and my brother was too. And I was raised on Frank Sinatra and just all kinds of music and, and always was singing. So this has been the thing that if, you know, anyone who's really close to me knows that probably the thing that's nearest to my heart actually is music, but it's always been a bit on the back burner. So it's funny at, you know, at a certain age to be out there doing music, but it's a dream that won't (laughs) go away. So I still love to songwrite. What Else But Love in particular, I co-wrote that with a great writer from Los Angeles who I want to give credit to. His name is Don Brightupt. And he's originally from Toronto, but lives in Venice now. And he had gone through a divorce and had a few dates and said they were just awful. I'm just going to be all alone. And he, he was fine. And he started having coffee with another friend of his, a woman who had also gone through a divorce. And lo and behold, they fell in love. And now they're very happily married, his second marriage. And when we got together, he gave me the song. He had written the first verse and couldn't finish the song. He said, I think I'm too happy to finish this song or something. Can you take a crack at it? And I wrote it very, very quickly. And he loved all the lyrics. So I'm finding out how much I love to collaborate. And I love to write to task. If someone gives me part of a song, it's just like the, I call it divine downloads. Like I just, all of a sudden, I feel like the words just come to me and some of the music. So I think it's one of the things that I love to do the most is, is songwriting and singing is just like this natural gift I got from my dad. So I really want to honor that and, and, and do this music. Well, that's great. And without further ado, we are now going to play What Else But Love. La, 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 la. Once burned, twice shy, that's you No more nice sky Cause when it all falls apart You just wanna hide your heart away Forget yesterday Then You feel something again Tell you one thing You're living this latest twist You just want to solve the mystery What could it be? What else but love Keeps you hanging on Makes you weak then makes you strong you anywhere breaks you down then makes you care what reckless dream takes everything then shows you what you're made of what else but love la 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 For what you might never find again But what pulls you in 
keeps you hanging on Makes you weak then makes you strong What else but love Finds you anywhere Breaks you down then makes you care And what reckless dream Takes everything Then shows you what you're made of your breath away makes you run then makes you stay what else but love changes everything writes the song that makes you sing and what brilliant sun brings you the one who shows you what you're made Wasn't that just great? Laura, thank you so much for sharing that song with us. We're going to take a quick break for an ad, just one ad, and then we'll be back to talk about Laura's work with Chicken Soup for the Soul, especially about gratitude and why it is so important to our mental and physical health. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back with Laura Robinson, and we're going to talk about the chicken soup for the soul part of her life now. So I was looking over the stories that you've written for Chicken Soup for the Soul books, and there's really a common theme in all of them, and that is gratitude and an awareness of counting your blessings. And I thought that was just so healthy, you know, mm. and probably the most important thing that we teach people with our books is to count their blessings and to pay attention to what they should be grateful for every day. And of course, you co-authored a very, very popular book that we put out in 2009, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Count Your Blessings, which still remains one of our bestsellers since we took over Chicken Soup for the Soul in 2008. So let's just talk about that. How do you incorporate gratitude into your daily life? Oh, I think it's just become second nature to me now. I am so grateful for everything. And I've even 
turn the corner on when something goes wrong, part of my brain goes, hmm, I wonder what silver lining is going to be here. I read something somewhere about somebody who does a lot of flying back in the day, you know, flying so much for, and whenever he would, he would miss a flight, his spidey sense would get all tingly and he'd be like, I wonder who I'm going to meet or what cool thing's going to happen. So it helps to just mitigate the frustration, like life is messy. Things are frustrating. Things are going to challenge you. But I think if you have an attitude of gratitude to, you know, use that alliteration is a great thing to just keep facile with. And people do gratitude lists. I do them every night before I go to sleep. Just a couple of things. It keeps you priming the pump of your emotional health to be looking for what's good because we can so easily default to the glass half empty when it's just as easily seen as half full. I mean, I sound like I'm totally preachy a little bit, you. but I, I really thank you. I think it's so key to just having, having a lighter spirit and having a better time of it in life. Yeah. You know, when I was first diagnosed with cancer, which was three years ago, and then after I went through chemo, I told the doctor, I was just really terrified that it would come back, which it eventually did. And now I've gotten over the terror and I accept that this is my life. But back then she sent me to see a psychiatrist. And so I had my one and only appointment with the psychiatrist. And she said, what are you grateful for? And I went on for 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, I went on for like my family, my friends, all the people who supported me, my excellent health insurance, the fact that I could still do my job even while going through chemo. It took me 20 minutes to go through all the things mm -hmm. I was grateful for. And then when I was done, the psychiatrist said, well, we're done here. You don't need to ever see me again because it was so good for me. And, and you're totally right, too, about the silver linings. Always look for those because they will always appear. They will always appear. And she's just like, you're going to be fine because you have that attitude that's going to sustain you. And I remember when we were working with you and it was such a blessing to meet you and do count your blessings together. And and thinking about silver linings and also blessings in disguise. And I remember we wrote in our proposal that you do have to look for them sometimes. That's why they're called blessings in disguise. Like sometimes they're not as obvious. But if you really do put on your the, the eyeglasses to see the glasses that you're drinking out of half full, you always will find them because there's so much, especially living in you know North America, we're just so so blessed in just basic human things that we have. So you can start there, you know. You're right. We should start there. I, I wrote a story for one of our books about hot water in my bathroom mm -hmm. and how every time I took a shower in my bathroom, I thought about a trip to Peru and Bolivia that I took and how grateful I was to have this warm, clean bathroom with running water whenever I wanted it every single day. Right. And I never, ever take a shower without thinking about how lucky I am oh. to have the bathroom and the warmth and the shelter and the hot water when I want it and how most of the world doesn't have that. I know. So let's just start with every morning, just getting in the shower. You already are ahead of the game. And I think that's why when we send kids on like trips to build a school in Peru or to go to be of service, that's one of the reasons is because you come home and you don't take things for granted as much, you know, just all the special things we have here that I, that so much of the world do without. And I think of it so much about that. I keep saying thank you for the, my warm house because it's so cold in the winter. And I think of 
people that just don't have that or, or are struggling to pay for that, you know. So, yeah, we can always find something to be grateful for, for sure. And it's really, really important. And, you know, you probably don't even know it, but we have a book coming out in August this year called Attitude of Gratitude. So we will be <laughs> revisiting the gratitude theme That's this so summer. Yeah, I think it's the right time for it. Uh -huh. So anyway, Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. How can our listeners learn more about you and all the different things that you do? Well, first of all, it's been a pleasure. So nice to just reconnect with you, Amy, personally, and just with Chicken Soup. And, and the listeners can find me on Instagram. I'm actually Balderdash Girl without the I. So it's Balderdash G-R-L. And I'm on Twitter and and Instagram. And then I have a new website, which has everything there and links to all my music as well, which is just uh, laurarobinson.com. And I have a, a song on iTunes in the US and just about to get some stuff up on Spotify there too. So yeah, I mean, if you go to my website, then you can go to the music link in the toolbar and then it links you to my SoundCloud and to, to iTunes and stuff. I went and looked at your new website. It's great. And that's Thank a you. really good looking website. Congratulations. So you did a great job with that. Uh, sometimes I, I feel kind of like embarrassed that there's so many different hats, but my kids are always like, mom, you do it all. You do it well. So just put it out there. But yeah, it's, it's a lot. Like I say, it's a lot of hats, but I love them all. And I mostly love being a mom and I have my family is like my number one thing. I'm always grateful for my husband and my kids. So I know you feel the same way and you have such a beautiful family. So sending everybody lots of love and to all the listeners too. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much. I'm Amy Newmark, and thank you everyone for listening today. Come back Monday for a bit of fun. I'll be sharing two stories about cats in an episode called Who's in Charge Here? Living with a Cat. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.